This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hello and welcome to The Third Age, the show where people over 50 come to talk about aging and talk about making a difference and make the world better for all of us. I'm the doctor, Dr. Peter Brill, and I'm here with my partner, the man from Hollywood, David Debbin. I am the man from Hollywood, David Debbin. We guarantee if you listen to us, you will never grow old. Now, that's what, what else could you ask for? Nothing more than that. Do you remember Queen for a Day? Yes, I do. Well, our guest on today's show, Donna Hennings, suggests in her latest book, The Queen of Myself, Stepping into Sovereignty in Midlife, that women in midlife and beyond become their own queen. Ah, very interesting. Certainly many women need to own their own authority and purpose, but what does it mean to become a queen? Our guest today will answer these questions, and she's also an expert in creating rituals and celebrations for any occasion you can name. Wow, I want to hear about that. That's a big one, because we all need more, right? Absolutely. We're going to talk about that. We need rituals and and ceremonies. Don't forget that we're also going to hear a strong message on our environment from the Community Environmental Council. We do that each week, and our minute of fun things to do from Shannon at the Visitors Bureau. So we have a full show today. We do. David, I want to just talk a moment about ceremony and, uh, and ritual. Uh, one of the problems in our society is we have largely lost all ceremonies and rituals that have meaning. Probably the two remaining ones that have some meaning for people are the marriage ceremony and, uh, and a funeral. I mean, where you really have deep feelings about what's going on. But there's not much else. I used to think that psychiatry, you know, and a lot of times when I was treating people from about 18 to 30 or maybe even older, that I was uh, really performing a a puberty rite. I was straightening out the roles between parent and children as they age, which in some societies are done by a little rite or ceremony they have. And then what you have is you have the person, they're recognized as an adult in the tribe and their role changes and responsibilities. And the same thing happens with the parents, their responsibilities and roles. We don't have any of that in this society. You know, bar mitzvahs don't really do it. You're not really of age at 13 and because uh, you can't function in the world. So, you know, the... Uh, Confirmation? What about that? Yeah. Well, I can, but I, I, for a lot of people, the religious ones have kind of lost a lot of the deep, profound meaning I think they had at one time in your life. You know, it's interesting to me, whatever you celebrate tends to become stronger. Like my wife and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. We had this very meaningful ceremony we designed, and it helped us even feel deeper and more committed and more invested with each other. But one of the ones I was thinking about was what would a ritual or a ceremony be about forgiveness? What do you think about that one, David? Well, what do I think about that? Uh, well, I think it would be if you could get the two people or three people in the room. Or the, or the hundred people who in the community or somebody in, in neighborhoods. I mean, or a person to forgive about their past. I mean, just to have their own ceremony about it where they. That's a good idea. Maybe we could ask her today about That's a very good for idea. a forgiveness ceremony. I mean, what about an intervention? Would you call that a ceremony? I think it sometimes functions that way, don't you think? I think it does. In some ways, it's a, it's a 
something that people do where they come together to perform some very serious thing and, and deep feelings and then bond with each other. But I think many families, you know, these extended families where you have adult children of adult parents, yeah. I think they need some ceremonies and rituals. You know, it allows people to interact in ways that they're comfortable and excited about and have meaningful, you know, have deep feelings about, but without necessarily the spont, you know, the uh, having to think it up themselves. Yeah, in Japan they have a ritual where if someone turn when someone turns sixty, they have a, a like a birthday party because they believe that's a rebirth. Absolutely. Every they go sixty year cycles is what they think. Yeah. And uh, apparently that's a that's a major thing there, you know. It's so. Two rebirths and you, and you come of age. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about birthdays? I don't know how meaningful they are to most people. Are they meaningful to you anymore? Uh, just uh, no. I mean, really, not a, <laughs> because you know I'm I'm now walking around telling people I'm I'm much older than twenty nine. Huh? No, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm telling people I'm 90. five years old. No, something believable. Five years older than I am to get credit. And and they say, oh my God, God do you, you look know, good. You look great. You know, how do you? What's your What's your secret? You know, instead of just having somebody looking. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just nodding their head. Yeah. You know what that what that leads us into? What? I mean, you you exercised a little humor there. Oh, I see. Uh, the news story for the day. <laughs> the well, news story. This one is. Whoa! There's the gong. This one is uh, <laughs> very interesting. You're gonna wonder why this happened uh it, this was from fredericksburg virginia it's the crime blotter a resident reported that he was with his girlfriend at the gas pumps while a third friend with them pumped gas into the girlfriend's uh, suv a male subject who was not acquainted with the three friends walked out of the store and verbally challenged the male who was pumping gas then threw a rock at him which struck him in the neck the reporting party ran towards the subject, and the subject grabbed a fish out of his car and threw it at him, hitting him in the face with the fish. I've lost who's who now. Who got hit? The guy who the threw guy the rock? The guy who threw the rock okay. got hit with the, with, the fish. with the fish. Right. The subject, that's him, the guy with the rock and the fish, next grabbed a beer bottle and threw it at the SUV. I see this going on all the time around here, by uh, the way. Santa you, Barbara, it's yeah. a big thing. Big thing, throw bottles about a celebration. Fish. Right. <laughs> he then pulled his pants down and exposed his behind to the three friends before leaving the area in a blue car. (laughs) You know, for the first time in my life, I'm speechless. (laughs) The store's surveillance camera captured the subject's image while he was inside, and now he was identified, and uh, warrants were obtained, and they're after him for malicious wounding, indecent exposure, and destruction of property. And the police said Coleman is about five feet tall, black hair, brown eyes, with a large red birthmark and on, this is his, in Russia or on his uh, buttocks. buttocks. Okay. <laughs> where, where was this? How is somebody to, to know that to identify the oh, suspect? Oh, you never know. Yeah. Larry <laughs> Craig could do it, I guess. <laughs> uh, where was this? This was in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Virginia. Okay. How about so that? You so watch you're not, out. You don't know. get gas in yeah. Fredericksburg. <laughs> now, I guess, was the, the did they have some reason that this guy signal? You know, sing, he, signaled I out guess this? you know. No, they don't say it in the story. What I'm inferring here is that he uh, he was uh, uh, attracted by the female and must have said something, and the other guy came, you know, said shut up or something, and then he came out and he was mad when he came out of the convenience store. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's always over. It's a woman's fault. I mean, that's <laughs> sim- pure and simple.
Well, I, I <laughs> you got to laugh out of Emily on that one or a snort. <laughs> of course, I would be shot. By the way, by this is the very Emily that we were just talking about on the golf show, right, Emily? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? So, ask. I want to hear the, her answer to that question. What is the question? Women are more interested in material things. Well, this young man who's a golfer, we only have 30 seconds or so here, but this young man who's a golfer I spent the day with yesterday, and he was complaining that the women they go out with now in their 20s, all they're interested in is finding a guy that can get them all the material things, all the designer clothes, the BMW, and so mm -hmm. forth. So I, I, I completely disagreed with him. I said, that, that can't be true. So I came, I came and asked Emily, who said? That. Um... <laughs> I think it is slightly true because everything that we're watching, like Sex in the City and all of those different things, is all material. But, of course, it's, you know. It's all about shoes, folks. <laughs> Sex in the City, <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada. It's a good thing my wife is in the shoe business. Yeah. Donna Hennies is an internationally renowned urban shaman, eco, uh, echo, sorry, eco or echo, ceremonialist, award-winning author, popular speaker, workshop leader whose joyous celebrations of celestial events have introduced ancient traditional rituals and contemporary ceremonies to millions of people in more than a hundred cities since 1972. And she's going to be joining us here today with uh, my co-host David Devon. I'm the doctor, Dr. Peter Brill. Her most recent book is Queen of Myself, Stepping into Sovereignty in Midlife, Mama Donna as she is affectionately called, maintains a ceremonial center, a spirit shop, ritual practice, and consultancy in uh, exotic uh, Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> where she works with individuals, <laughs> <joke>. groups, <laughs> institutions, we're not allowed to joke on the show, oh, municipalities oh. and corporations <laughs> to create meaningful ceremonies for every imaginable occasion. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you. I, we should say welcome back to the show, Donna, because she's been here before, and she was such a fabulous guest, we just had to have her back. Well, I can't welcome her back <laughs> since I wasn't here. But you're part of the show. <laughs> Even when I'm not here? Oh, of if course. If a tree falls you in the forest? In <laughs> That's right. And when you're not here, all we do is talk about you. Oh. <laughs> you didn't know that. No, I didn't. Because you don't listen to the show. show right. Yeah, now when I'm not here, I don't. That's right. So. so, let's ask Donna, first of all, about the book. Yeah. What's going on with the book? Well, what's going on in the book, actually, since I was on your show last, it's now in its second printing. That's Whoa, good. That's good. very nice. That's um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the book really strikes a chord in women of a certain age who are ready to take their turn. You know, we've spent, oh, decades being good girls, good daughters, good wives, good mothers, good bosses, good employees, good students, et cetera, et cetera, and you know what? Now it's our turn, you know, to do what it is that our own personal life purpose is and to fulfill our, our destiny and our potential. I think it's uh, probably long overdue. I mean, there's a, there's a great story that Peter tells about uh, the women who were asked to draw their something representing their lives and, and, uh, or circles, and they drew... Most of them would draw three circles for their family, their husband, and their career. And, uh, every, and whoever was there would say, well, what, what's missing? And they would say, look at it, and then say, me, I'm missing. <laughs> you know, so that's, yeah. that's very true. It's a, it's a prevalent thing that's going on. So what does it mean to be a queen? Well, a queen. Can I be a king? 
Oh, well, sure <laughs> no, but you, you can. could be a queen. <laughs> I could be a queen. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all royalty is allowed. Okay. <laughs> you know? Being a queen is when a woman really does step into her sovereignty and accepts the responsibility for her own life, and that means the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, being able to care for herself the way she's always cared for everybody else, and to stand in her power. And that is problematic because women in our culture are somewhat afraid of our own power. Why? Oh, there's so many reasons, but I think that we're getting a good taste of it in this election. Um, When a woman dares to stand in her power... She's ridiculed. She's called words that we probably can't say on the radio. And uh, she's vilified, you know. I mean, whatever you think about this election, I don't even want to go there. It's kind of horrifying to see how a woman is treated who dares to say, I'm powerful. And so women are afraid to do that. They're afraid that they won't be lovable that they won't be loved. I remember 100 years ago when I'd go out on a date as a teenager, my mother would send me out the door and say, now, don't be too smart. Boys don't (laughs) like smart women. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, so it starts early. Uh, Actually, that has not been my experience, but that's the whatever, the wisdom of the time. That's the brainwashing. Exactly. Yeah. Emily, do you feel that now at at your age? Emily's about what? How old are you, Emily? 19. 19. No, I, you definitely need to be smart. It's more about just having a sense of humor, I think. That's what so it's all changed. The boys, the, the, it's okay with the boys if you're smart. Yes. I think it is. I think it has changed, actually, and not just in that way. I think it's changed in terms of what women are encouraged. I don't think that, that girls are, in, in general, I mean, uh, there's differences all over, but are brought up in the same way that they were before, that a woman's place is here, a woman should do, you know, they t- nobody says, or very few people say, to love, honor, and obey anymore, you know. I mean, I think that's sort of like going off by the wayside as women assume their power starting to be more effective in careers and rise in the ranks in every way. But it's still, I, I do know that Donna's right because I have, I had uh, a, a friend, very close friend, who was a great producer. Um, she produced an Academy Award winning movie and she was the first woman ever to win an Academy Award for Best Film. And she was, I mean, you know, if, you, if a woman is on the set and she sees something she doesn't like and she starts to talk about it, she's a bitch. If a guy's there, he's just, you know, working it out. What year was that then? Uh, that movie? Yeah. 1974. It's a stand. Yeah, see, I, I, I want, I, what do you think, Donna? Has it changed? I mean, the women who came through at a certain time in history, for sure, experienced this. But do you think it's still the same now? Unfortunately, I do. Really? Uh, you know, I really do. I hear stories from women all the time. And, you know, it's still not acceptable to be in your feelings and your emotions in the boardroom. You can't really think like a woman. You can't present yourself as a woman. And, you know, we see this in politics. A lot of our famous women are not really acting in a way that I feel is coming from their their feminine core, that we have strength and power, which is not physical, you know, Uh and it's not that kind of testosterone-driven authority or or dominance, but we have 
the power of our convictions and you know we we have a lot to offer in terms of the way things should be not the way keeping things the way that they have been for 5000 years um and i think that that kind of power and that kind of wisdom is not appreciated, is not listened to. Well, not to belabor this, because uh, what I was referring to, I think it was the training I'm talking about, was that women who were from another generation really were trained in that way. Women in this generation are different. But don't, don't you think that if a woman stepped up like Hillary has this time, that the reception, if you think the reception's bad now, what it would have been... 20 years ago or 30 years ago? I mean, nobody paid any attention to Geraldine Ferraro, but, you know, I mean, I think that Hillary's gotten a tremendous, more than made a tremendous uh, forward movement among women. Am I wrong? Oh, no, absolutely. I think things are moving ahead. Things are changing. But you know what? I think they're mostly changing for women of our generation. Younger generation is getting married younger Hmm. than we did in more numbers, it, it's almost like we're back to the 50s. Hmm. You know, baby boom women, a fifth to a quarter, depending on where they live. The urban ones were a quarter. A quarter of us did not have children. Hmm. Given the choice, we did have a choice for the first generation ever. And now, you know, women are getting married earlier, more often, having more children at a younger age, are choosing to stay, you know, a kind of I don't know. It's like it, it really, even the styles are kind of back to the 50s, you know? Well, I want to reinforce what you're saying, certainly for women from midlife on, because they came through at a time in in history, whether or not the younger ones will have yeah. the same experience or not. The, Abigail Trafford in her book also, uh, My Time, which echoes a lot of what you're saying, it's really a major change for women in midlife and beyond to begin to own their own power their own ability to determine what they want, to kind of give up some of the nurturing, some of it, not all of it, uh, hopefully, uh, and begin to focus around what uh, their own effectiveness and their own achievement and their own happiness. Yes, absolutely. The only only thing I worry about is, in the end, is that we're polarizing the the cycle of giving. You know, uh, as soon as people stop giving to each other, of course... And, and are only concerned with themselves, what are they? And if you only give, uh, who are you for? <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those dilemmas yeah. of life. And oh, I agree, but it's also you can't love unless you can love yourself. Absolutely. On that note, I'm going to love myself a little bit while we take a break, and we'll be right back with the third age. Don't go away. Hi, this is Renee Stevens, host of Inside Out Weight Loss. If you want to be a thin person, you have to learn how to think like one. Learn how on my weekly show that aligns mind, body, and spirit for lasting change. Find me on iTunes or at personallifemedia.com. That's Inside Out Weight Loss, how to think like a thin person on personallifemedia.com. Uh, welcome back to The Third Age. Um, one of your co-hosts, Dr. Peter Brill. I'm here with my co-host, other partner, David Devin, and uh, Emily Figueredo. Yeah, Figueredo. Fredo, Fredo. Well, I can never say it right. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, Emily F. <laughs> uh, and Donna Hennies, who's uh, internationally renowned urban shaman. And uh, 
we we really want to talk, Donna, about ceremonies. I have a of a, a quote here from you from your website. For hello, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> For individual families, I can design rituals uh, for such joyous occasions as wedding, commitment ceremonies, wedding and baby showers, baby blessings, adoptions, combining family houses, cleansing, blessings, anniversary, retirement rituals, coming of age ceremonies, graduation, menarche, menopause. Let's just mention a few. Then we have abortion, divorce, aging, illness, surgery, conflict, loss of jobs, and so forth. My goodness. Can, can you tell us a little bit about ceremony and ritual, where you're coming from, and how you can do so many? Well, everyone is totally different. And um, every, you know, basically, I think that what ritual does is it makes the ordinary special and the special extraordinary. You know, it's a way to mark an occasion and give it meaning and give it meaning not only for your own life and circle, but within a context of humanity and uh, all people everywhere. And it's a way to understand that we're not alone in the universe, that we are all connected, and we are connected to the cosmos, we are connected to each other, and ideally we're connected to our own inner best self. Give us an example of a ceremony or ritual that you did that demonstrates that. Well, uh, actually, um, going back one second to the, the whole queen concept, um, I, I do ritual with women in midlife, uh, usually around menopause, uh, that uh, takes after a, cor- a royal coronation. It's, a, it's actually a crowning ceremony. Um, but it doesn't just, you know, what ritual is, all ritual, has to be grounded in intention. And before you were talking about is an intervention a ritual, well, the people gathered, I'm assuming, all have the same intention, which is to help Mm -hmm. that person. And then they act on that, and then they they take steps that uh, further their intention. And so this particular ceremony, before we get to the good part, we have... Uh, parts of the ceremony, which is um, acknowledging, admitting, and owning our own fears of aging. And once we do that, once you can acknowledge your fear, then you can release it. You're not owned by it anymore. Um, then we, and, and this is all done sort of in a circle where where people take turns going around the circle. Um, and then people talk about what is the one good thing, the one true thing that they know in the world that they live by and that is the base of their power and claim that and own that. And then uh, we actually, I was actually inspired for this part of the ritual by the Miss America pageant where these young women are asked, if you're selected Miss America, how will you serve the year of your reign? What will you do? In other words, what is your intention for your power? And we have a scepter, and people, the women hold up the scepter and say, as queen, I will, whatever. And uh, it's Fabulous. not... Yeah, and it's not all about me, myself, mm-hmm. but it's about the self in the Jungian sense of mm-hmm. your complete personage. Good. And uh, the idea is to claim your power in your own life and then be able to take it out into the world so that we can nurture on an even bigger scale 
take the world and you know right the wrongs. Then what do you do? So how do you serve, and they, then yeah, they serve the, with their power, and then what? And then they're ready to be crowned, but uh-huh. I don't crown them. There's a fabulous expression uh, in the Yoruba culture that says you crown your own head, which basically means you you author your own life, you make your bed and you lie in it, and on and on. And so each woman then crowns herself, huh. and she crowns herself. You know. I crown myself Queen Mamadonna, Queen of my dreams, or, you know, the executrix of my own will, or whatever, you know, whatever, however they see themselves in their power. What a wonderful ceremony. What an absolutely fabulous, fabulous ceremony. It Can you really do us is. one on forgiveness? Design well, us one right here on the air for forgiveness. We have a bunch of people, and uh, what, what I find is we've got a lot of people who what we have called ghosts of the past. You know, they they live, they're carrying this heavy chains of the woulda, shoulda, couldas. Right. So we need a good ceremony for them. Exactly. Well, you know the, the saying about forgiveness is that it's like, you know, when you, when you hold on to that anger, it's like you've taken poison and mm-hmm. you expect the other person to die. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Uh, because that, that anger and that resentment kills. Yep. And uh, so it's really important to release that anger, not, and you're not condoning the action of the other person. You can still forgive somebody for your own sake and still say, this was absolutely wrong, uh-huh. and, and, and I hate you. <laughs> you know? right. But you're not holding that, that, that hate in your heart so that it cripples you. Good points. Let's do a ceremony. Well, do it um, for our audience out there. Well, I think what I would do is I would offer salt, the taste of salt, uh-huh. to taste, to elicit uh, a sense of bitterness, to uh-huh. elicit our tears, our sadness, our anger, our resentment, and, and speak it. Speak it out loud, or even write it down, but, but you know, verbalize it. Okay. So that you're not mad at the whole world, but you're mad at this particular incident and for this and this reason. And so once you've done that, you can do all kinds of things. If you've written it down, a really nice thing to do then is to burn it. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of people will burn things. Mm -hmm. But I don't like to just stop at the burning Mm -hmm. because that's just, I don't know, that's like destruction. Yeah, it ends with destruction. Exactly. Yeah. So then I like to take the ashes and use the ash. Ash, if you're a gardener, you know, and you want to add Mm -hmm. ash to your compost because it's really high in nitrogen, it's a fabulous fertilizer. So then I would suggest you take that ash and either sprinkle it on a house plant or put it in your garden so that this experience can then grow into something beautiful and, and full of life. You know, it's the ash is is a great metaphor. It's a really great mm-hmm. metaphor. Well, it's a wonderful ceremony. People out there, did you hear it? <laughs> if you have things that you're doing that you're having trouble letting go of, trouble forgiving yourself or somebody else, then what you can do is take a little salt, share your bitterness, write it down, burn it in a little tray. Please don't burn your house down. And uh, and then take the ash and put it in with a plant and grow something beautiful with it. Mm-hmm. And put and your intention with that, with the ash. And put your intention. You know, one of the things that that uh, that I've 
discovered is has produced the tremendous amount of health for people is when they've had horrible experiences in their in their past and somehow they find an altruistic outlet for for that mm-hmm. the person who's had problems you know with their legs or something helping other people with people with problems with their legs uh, it's you know finding an altruistic way to deal with your suffering and to overcome it is really valuable anyway i yeah, have an altruistic beautiful. comment I think that we should give up time for our sponsors to speak okay. because we're such nice people and come back <laughs> in, in a couple of minutes. We'll be right back with the third age. Don't go away. Listen to Beauty Now, the intersection of cosmetic surgery, longevity, and biomedical innovation for confident decisions in preventative aging on personallifemedia.com. Hello and welcome back to the Third Age. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Peter Brill. I'm here with David Debin and Donna Hennies, who's an internationally renowned urban shaman. Donna, um, can we continue? Does, let's first do your book for just one second. What's the name of your new book? The Queen of Myself. Two words. The Queen of Myself. Uh, stepping into sovereignty in midlife. And where do they get it? Uh, Amazon, bookstores, uh, the website for the book is uh, thequeenofmyself.com. And you have a website yourself, right? Yes. What's that? That's Donna, D-O-N-N-A, Hennes, H-E-N-E-S, dot net. Great. Donna, I wanted to ask yeah. you this last time before we go on. On your website, there's a great photo of you yeah. and with a friend of yours. Well, what is that? Oh, wait, which, which picture are you referring to? You have a friend, little friend sitting on your head. Oh, on my head. Yeah, oh, <laughs> this is my magical bird and, and familiar, Ola. She was a cockatiel that flew to me in the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens, came home with me, and lived on my head for nine years. Oh, <laughs> my God. What a story All that All right. Is. So we have about two or three minutes, Donna, before we have to go to the next section here. But So I just want to read something that you wrote on your website. And I would like you to tell us a ceremony about this, or what your thoughts are, either one. Okay. I believe that the only thing that can save our Earth from our short-sightedness and selfish attitudes and actions is for us to start thinking of ourselves as a planet. It's time for us to join together as interdependent partners, as interconnected members of our families and communities, and co-existent inhabitants of the Earth and co-creators of our mutual future. How do we do that by ceremony and intent? Well, something that I've been doing for all these years is celebrating in public uh, the equinoxes and the solstices. Um, and that the reason for that is that we it, these are Earth holidays. These are the way that the well are the movement of the Earth around the sun affects the season and affects our lives. And it's one way, especially for urban and suburban people who are so separated from the natural order of the world, to reconnect with nature in a very primal way. You know, the Hopis, every year on the summer solstice, run up the mountain to not greet the rising sun, but to help it rise. 
And it's not that they don't believe that the sun can't rise without their help, but they believe that they need to be there with the sun as sisters and brothers to declare our relation with the universe. And for sure, we need to realize that this earth is sacred and that we've been given a sacred trust with this planet and that we're certainly not managing that sacred trust very well, are we? No, we're not. <laughs> well, well, Donna, uh, actually the next segment of our show is going to be somebody who just had a really important, important conference about uh, the environment. So I'm gonna we're gonna bring him on in just a minute, but I want to first thank you so much for your for uh, being on our show today and for your wonderful wonderful work. Well, thank you, thank you very much. I love your show. Thanks a lot. We'll see you again. I hope so. <laughs> hey, by the way, the show's oh, are you gone? Are you still there? I'm here. Yeah, uh, your show will be on iTunes. You know, I think one of your shows already is on iTunes. Yeah. If you go oh, look great. on podcasts, you'll see your show there. Oh, fantastic! Okay, great. Okay. Uh, well, the summer solstice is almost here, so I'm wishing you wonderful Earth Spirit. Thanks a lot. Same to you. Thank you. Well, that's quite a thing. Uh, you know, it's uh, what she says about the Earth is, you know, and our needing to realize how interconnected we are is really, really true. And I, in that spirit, I'm going to bring on Tam Hunt from the Community Environmental Council. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> So you have a you had a big conference and a, and a scary set of conclusions, huh? Uh, we did, yeah. We, turnout was great. We had definitely um, achieved our expectations about having people in the room to really kind of um, learn and um, start taking action. So the topic was essentially why are oil prices so high and what does the future hold for us? And we had a great keynote speaker, uh, Bob Hirsch, uh, consultant, former um, employee with Exxon Mobil for a number of years looking at what the future does hold for oil production and painted a pretty scary picture about where things are going. And so um, I think it's starting to dawn on most people that this is not a temporary thing, that high prices are here to stay, and they may go a lot higher, and what do we do locally? Well, what, 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 to give us the picture, just if you can do it in one minute, uh, what's the picture that he put? Well, yeah, the, really, the, the one-minute version is that essentially – um, global oil production has been on a plateau for about three years now. Um, OPEC and non-OPEC countries are struggling um, to maintain production because existing fields are declining in production, as all finite resources will do, and they're not finding new fields fast enough to maintain production. And so we're plateauing. The question is, will we stay on a plateau? Will we go up? Will we go down? He, uh, Bob is of the view, and I am of the view, that we are quite likely going to go down fairly soon. It may not be right now, but certainly within the next five years, we'll start trending downward. And the question is, how fast is that downward slide? And then you get some really kind of scary scenarios because we are, of course, heavily dependent on oil imports. And consumption continues to go up. Well, actually, that's the one piece of good news. Uh, in the U.S., consumption has finally crested and started to go down, oh, actually oh. pretty pretty steeply, um, just over the last uh, holiday weekend. Um, <laughs> ga- ga- For ga- one week. Well, actually, it's a longer-term trend, too. So, But the last week alone, the holiday weekend, uh, gas purchases went down 5%. That's, that's a pretty accu- huge. That's a pretty accurate poll, actually, yeah. as to what people are getting now. But... Worldwide consumption. Worldwide consumption is going up. Yeah. You're so, right. So, so production is going to go down. Uh, consumption is going to go up. And, and so what does that mean to us? Well, it means prices keep on going up. 
and also and, uh, maybe depression, right? From um, possibly, yeah. I mean, there are definitely various scenarios out there. Some which are more scary than others. But um, I think the the message is quite clear. We got to start taking action personally and as a region. And that was kind of our our outcome from the the summit last week was that we want to form a tri-counties energy task force to really start the planning process soon and um, start figuring out what we do locally because one consequence of dramatically higher oil prices over time and possible shortages is a, a relocalization of our economies. And that could ultimately be a good thing, but getting from here to there could be rather painful. When you say relocalization, what you mean is people won't be traveling longer dis- uh, long distances. Things, products will be made closer to home right exactly. because of the and people will costs. be large, living in larger groups like the cities people are going to start moving out of the suburbs and back into the cities yeah yes yeah, all the above you know there are a lot of things um, basically you know becoming more reliant on local resources and a better sense of community is one of the positive side benefits that come from this so what you did you get your task force up and going uh we have a conversation going we're going to start talking to the key players and figure out the, the action plan and move forward and so what can people out there do to help? Well, first, they can, you know, change their own uh, behavior. And this is, of course, happening already. I mean, market forces here are very powerful. Uh, you know, we're already seeing change pretty rapidly because of high prices. But certainly uh, the one message I'd like to get across to your listeners is that this is not a temporary thing. This is a long-term problem. And um, certainly do what you can as individuals to, to change your energy consumption by, you know, living closer to where you work, driving less, uh, getting a bike, taking the bus, all those kind of things. Great. How do they get in touch with you there at the Community Environmental Council? Well, our website is cecsb.org, and a lot of information there about our local programs. We have a document called A New Energy Direction, which actually lays out our vision for how we get off fossil fuels by 2030 in our county. And I think there's, you guys were clear visionaries because we better start working on cutting down our fossil fuels. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we're going to wind up being a bunch of fossils. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, Tam. Thank you so much for being with us today. Great, this is thank you. And uh, everybody think about that for a moment while we take a break. We'll be right back. Listen to Living Green, effortless ecology for everyday people, a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. Welcome back to The Third Age. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Peter Brill. I'm here with my other co-hosts, David Devin and Emily F. <laughs> you can say your whole name if you like. I can't do it. I, it's too big a tongue, tongue twister for me. I apologize. Um, you know, after struggling with environment, oil, depression, bad economic times, I think we deserve a moment of fun. Don't you think? A minute of fun? Yahoo! Hi, Shannon. What's fun this week? Summerland. Summerland is just south of Santa Barbara, and I just went there this past weekend. Um, It was glorious. I went to the beach. There's great cafes. There's a winery, Summerland Winery. You can do tasting there. Great galleries, garden shops. Well, let me ask you this question. Why should I go this week? Well, gas is more expensive these days, so it's a short trip, and you can even take a bike. There's a bike path that gets you there. And what would be the most fun thing for you in Summerland? 
I like Sacred Space. It's a really cool home import shop that has all these wonderful things and candles, decor for your garden, jewelry. I also like the winery. I'm a fan of wine. Great. Well, guys, you've heard it. This week at Summerlin, go have fun. You know, what if somebody, what if some, thanks, Shannon. Yeah. And thank you, Peter. And what, yeah. what if somebody uh, said uh, fun is, I, you know how I have my most fun is getting a tattoo. <laughs> could we could we recommend that as a fun thing to do? I don't know. Getting a tattoo. You want a tattoo, Emily? No, I don't want a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure about that, Emily? Um, yes. <laughs> She's a woman of few words. <laughs> <laughs> and no tattoos. No tattoos. <laughs> so uh, that was a pretty that, the Donna Hennis who talked about ritual and celebration. That was fabulous. The way she made up the the um, forgiveness, the thing, forgiveness right? uh, ritual. I guess not ritual. What would be the word? Cel- ceremony. That's it. Ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the others. The well, you and I know from dealing with people in the third age in groups and in workshops how big a deal forgiveness is. You've always said that forgiveness is the key to opening your heart. I agree. I know it is. And, and you agree with yourself? I agree with myself. Not all the time. <laughs> but uh, I think every once in a while I accidentally say something that makes a lot of sense. Well, it certainly does. I'd I mean, like to talk next week. I want to talk about what I think God is because I've been trying to figure that out. And you've got the answer? I have an answer, yes. Oh, that's fabulous. And uh, everybody can wait with bated breath I won't that. be here next week to hear it. Will you be near a computer? No, oh, I won't be. Well. I'm going to be up we'll in Yellowstone Park, up in the Grand Tetons, oh. hiking in the backcountry. Well, then you don't have to know because that's what it is. <laughs> I'm serious. That's what it is. God was calling to me. No, no. It's where you are. It's, it's in Yellowstone. It's in nature. It's in, it's in unconditional love that you get from... From being where you're going, a place that's just uh, beautiful and real. The energy of life. Yeah. The energy of life. So we'll talk about that next time. We don't want to, you know, take anyone's vision away. So where are we? We have, are we almost home? Yeah. Okay, let's thank Emily. Let's thank, first of all, Lisa Headley, who's our engineer. Emily Peter Figueredo. Emily Figueredo. Figueredo. For, for our associate <laughs> producer, Les Carroll, the great Les Carroll, for his trampoline act here at the station. And, uh, and I'm Richard D- uh, Dugan. And with that, I will say, fare thee well. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. <laughs>